from the Denver Convention Center in the Mile High City. It's tips today in public safety. Brought to you by Nina, the 911 Association, and APN, the Avaya Podcast Network. Now here's your host, ENP Mark Fletcher. Hey, it's Fletch with the Avaya Podcast Network. Welcome to Tips Today in Public Safety. We're here live at the NINA 2015 event in the Denver Convention Center. And we're sitting down with Grace Larson, who is a dispatch supervisor at the Issaquah Police Department. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Yeah, so you've been in the business for quite some time. I have. I have uh, some good varied experience in different centers that are varying sizes. Yeah, no, so you're, uh, how big is Issaquah? Issaquah, we have 10 dispatchers. The whole department, civilian and sworn, is about 60. Okay, so 10 on staff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a fairly good sized department. Well, yeah, it's, we do okay. We do three different cities, so it's good to have, you know, a, a few dispatchers. We only run with two on at a time, maybe three if we're lucky, mm-hmm. but yeah, it works pretty well. No, that's, that's cool. But how many calls do you take a year? Oh, I think last year we did 27,000-ish, I think. We take a lot of inbound calls just for the city that we didn't transfer to our records department or the detectives or an officer's voicemail or a lot of different things. So we do a lot of just, you know, catch and release sort of things. (laughs) Catch and release. (laughs) I like that. I like that. So what's your biggest, what's the biggest problem you see for telecommunicators today? Oh, I think probably the... The training is so kind of sporadic. Like a lot of places in Washington, we have a, a state academy that's associated with the, um, with the law enforcement academy. And so they have a telecommunicator program there, but it is located in the Seattle region, which is way far on the west side of the state. And so it's hard for agencies, which on the east side of the state, they're much smaller agencies um, as a general rule. And so it's harder for them to get people out and send them all the way over to Burien and send them to the academy for a whole week because it's, it puts a big strain on their... Um, their schedule? It, it, on the schedule sure. and on overtime and, and everything. And so the academy does try to get classes over on the east side of the state, but it's hard to get teachers who can do that too. So I know that kind of everywhere you go, the training seems to be concentrated in like the largest metropolitan area. So the smaller agencies will have a harder time getting to those classes and getting everybody everybody on their staff through those classes. So Next Generation 911 will allow centers to virtually consolidate and act as one big center. Um, that would almost allow a little cross-pollination in dispatchers, potentially. Potentially. I mean, would you think that would work as a supervisor? Mm, All I mean, of a sudden, you've got a dispatcher that you may have never worked with before. Yeah, you run into, I mean, just on the surface, you run into a lot of the geography issues yep. uh, because they're not going to know the area. They're not from the area unless they do a lot of intensive study and you're never going to keep up with it. Um, do you think of, that's important? Yes, it's okay. absolutely important. Even in the age of, you know, AVL and Google Maps and every kind of alley map coordination, you're, you're still going to need to know the area because your citizens are going to expect that. Um, also, part of being a supervisor really means having that personal connection with your people and you can't do that if you know you're working with somebody who's coming from two states away and they're logging into the system and coming online that way you don't really get that personal sense of who they are what about regionally maybe like neighboring towns neighboring towns i can see that i I have worked in a big consolidated center and it was um i can see doing that in a virtual sense i can see 
you know, being just familiar enough with an area that you can get that geography piece down and you know how it connects to your area. So then you can tell, you know, tell when you have responders that are going to be close, especially if you're using closest available unit dispatching for fire or EMS, that that's kind of a bigger thing that I've seen. Um, and it, you know, I guess the dispatchers can work with that a little bit easier if they're a little more familiar. Like I could probably do the county that's a little south of us because I've been there. I drive through there. I go visit friends there. Um, and so, yeah, if they needed help or if we were in a regionalized system, I could log in and I could dispatch for Tacoma and I'd probably be all right. Yeah, at least you could help. And I think there's different levels, too. Um, when, you, when you look at it, Grace, you know, you could say, yes, local knowledge is important, but not for every single call. That's probably true. Right? So you yeah. could you could almost segregate um, your your remote staff to doing stuff that doesn't require local knowledge, mm. allowing the staff that you have to focus on the stuff that does require local knowledge. Yeah, maybe like a secondary queue yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sense. I think so with Next Generation 911, I think without overloading the dispatchers with too much data coming in, there's going to be additional data that the system can start making intelligent decisions. And the, dis- the system can actually start segregating calls out amongst a larger group of people more effectively, um, making them more effective. I could see that, and it could help out with, you know, everybody has staffing issues, everybody's running low, and sure, you got more people at your disposal. That could work really well. Does it get a lot of snow out where you are? No. We it's might. A lot, of, a lot of rain. <laughs> we get a lot of rain, uh, but we maybe get a couple of days of snow, and it kind of shuts down the whole region, and but nothing, nothing at all compared to, you know, like Denver, where we are. I'm sure, sure they get lots more snow than we do. What do you think about um, remote dispatchers? Coming in from home, being mm. able to connect in from home. Mm, I I would get really concerned about the CGIS issues. Uh, it was, would cause a nightmare for your IT staff trying to make sure everybody's got the VPN and the, the proper security. And then your dispatcher is going to need to be able to secure all of their equipment at their home office or wherever it is they're working out of. It's... To me, just on the surface, seems like a logistical nightmare. From a CGIS perspective. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Just because the security of the information is so tightly regulated in order to make that continual, that, that chain of evidence or the, the chain of the information that you're responsible for, just seems like it's, uh, it would be logistical, a lot of work. Logistical yes. nightmare. Yep. Well, you know, but, but you do, do see that, you know, federal employees do work from home. I've got a neighbor that's working for the FBI, and yeah, he's in Quantico most of the week, but he does work from home, and he's got his laptop, and yeah, he's got sensitive information on there, and there, there are ways of securing the data. Yeah. Um, the, the other concern I would have would be, you know, the reliability of the phone networks or the IP or whatever it is you're using to connect to getting the calls or getting the, the data to dispatch out, um, because, you know, somebody's going to cut a line down the street or a satellite's going to go out or, you know, we're going to lose a router somewhere and the calls, maybe they don't get to you or maybe they get almost to you and then they just disappear. And it would be, it seems like it would be a lot harder with all the individual bits of equipment, all the different computers. It's like, you know, bring your own device. Um, security is the same. It's going to be just a, a, on a grander scale trying to make sure that everybody has the right security and everybody can get the information that they need in the event of, you know, we, we do so much 
with the the diverse routing and trying to make sure the calls can get to the 911 center, trying to make sure that they can get to all the different <laughs> dispatchers and call takers that are working from home, seems like it, I don't know what the solution would be to that. I'm not that techie, so you're you're a little techie though. A little I, bit. I would I would so I would I would argue with you that. Um, bring your own device might be difficult, but I could say bring my device and we could secure a very secure connection on very locked down equipment. Um, and again, you're not really routing the call. You're routing a call appearance. Yeah. So you could do things like if all of a sudden you disappeared, you could instantly have that appear at another workstation. Yeah, route to someone else who's actually online. And yeah, just, yeah. I mean, there are things that could be done. It, it's interesting. I think the industry is definitely going to go there. Um, might be a little early for people's mindsets today. It's a little early yet. But, um, you know, as technology changes, uh, it becomes, it'll start making more and more sense. Yeah. So what about social media in the centers? Uh, I, I think my Social media is something that I'm very passionate about just in general in person and something I use a whole lot. Um, I think that the uh, the expectations of society are that they get more information, that we're more transparent, that we're going to be faster getting that information to them. And if you're waiting for a PIO to go on TV and give a press release and you're waiting for the media to all get there, you know, you're vastly slowing down how quickly you can get that information out there. But the usage of social media in an official capacity by the staff in a call center has to be very, very closely regulated. I believe the the International Association of Chiefs of Police has a social media center and they, they do a report every year. They do surveys and, and I believe the survey last year, I haven't looked at this most recent one, but the survey last year said that something like 60% of agencies that were using social media in an official capacity did not have a policy. Wow. Which... Just terrifies me. <laughs> so, so let's start at the basics. Do uh, do your call takers are they allowed to bring in a personal device and have it with them in the center? Yes. Are they allowed to use it? They are allowed to use it as long uh, as you know they're not putting out any department information. Like you can't take a picture of your Facebook screen or take a picture of your CAD screen and put it up on Facebook, even if you're blurring things out because that's that's too much. You. You don't want to have the appearance of speaking for the department unless you're actually in that capacity. Okay. So they're not allowed to speak for the department. That's correct. Um, do you have people that tweet and use social media during their shift? Uh, yes. Do you, how do you try to monitor that from a supervisor perspective, or do you? Um, I, I keep a very personal... We don't have any policies within the department that say that I can't follow my people on Facebook or Twitter, but I keep a very strict personal policy that I don't. Um, partially because I don't want them to feel like I'm watching them when they're on their free time, and partly because it's it, it keeps that separation. There needs to be the separation between the leadership and between the the line staff in the in that kind of a capacity. The social world is not where I want to be mixing. It, it's like dating your boss or something. It kind of is. It yeah. kind of is. Yeah. And well, again, I think it brings in it brings in a personal relationship level. And, okay, I'm not going to argue whether you can or cannot do that at work because that's just a can of worms. <laughs> it really the is. fact of the matter is it doesn't always work, and it has to be managed at some level. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you inject it, social media, I think you've, you've created a, a tie that's not normally there, and I mm-hmm. don't think 
adults are adult enough to be able to deal with that all the time. <laughs> it does create a, a weird relationship when you do have to, you know, do a disciplinary process of some sort. They're, you know, well, I thought you were my friend. Well, I am your friend, but I'm also your boss. Yep. So the, the social media, the personal use of social media is not something we really regulate so much. Um, as long as, and it is the city's policy that, you know, you can't release confidential city information. Just sure, sure. Well, so, that's, that's going to be there, yeah. obviously. Yeah. What do you think about NextGen 911? Is it here? Is it coming? Do you like it? I think there are a lot of really good uh, things that are coming. Um, I think that there are a lot of really scary things that are coming. Um, the IP-based routing for calls and everything is, is really just going to make our lives easier. It's going to get things to where they need to go a little bit faster. I do not want my dispatchers being exposed to somebody who's going to take a, you know, a video recording of this terrible accident. We, you know, if you have an accident, say you've got this kid gets hit by a car or something and, and your caller is, is videoing this. That's a traumatic image. We, we get enough trauma just from hearing things and you don't, you don't want your dispatchers to see that and be exposed to that as well while they're also doing paperwork and they're answering the phone and they're dispatching other calls and they're dealing with the officers who need them to put in an entry and then they've got this video, this terrible video. My opinion, if, they're, if we're going to get video in that's related to the calls, my personal opinion would be that it, it would be best for it to be routed off to a different area on the server. And then the officers, if they need it later, can get to it. Because they're not going to want to see it in their car either. They're going to get on scene. They're going to see it. They're going to handle it just like they always do. But they don't need it on the way there. Well, you know, and, the, and there's going to the, the day that video to 911 gets turned on, you know, the first call is going to be, hey, look, <laughs> click. It's been four hours. Uh-huh. Right. You know, yeah. So, so I call that video denial of service, VDOS. <laughs> You're going to have people... You are going to have people tweeting that crap into a center. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's bad enough now. They, they call dispatchers looking for dates, <laughs> no. right? You know, it's going to be, oh, let me send you a picture of myself. Uh, you know. mm-hmm. um, that's, going to create a, that's going to create a problem in the centers Yeah. from people doing their jobs. I think and, the texting itself, which is, the, you know, the first piece that we're all getting, really the, the, the dispatchers see, not the back end stuff, not the, the IP phones or any of that, but the texting is the first thing that they're gonna see, they're gonna encounter of all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the interim solutions that we're getting to so far, um, you know, that's, that's gonna be kind of our benchmark of how is this going to affect the rest of our call operations and how much extra work is this gonna hand to our dispatchers you know, are, are they going to have to spend more time than we anticipated dealing with a texter? Is that going to keep them off the phones? And just because we know right now a lot of people don't text because a lot of people don't know you could potentially. Can I put in your yeah. area? Can I uh, text? No. No. Not in King County. Uh, there's one county in Washington, I believe, Kitsap County, that has it turned on that was just a couple months ago Snohomish County which is just to the north of us is planning on going live in the next month or two um, but King County we're still deciding on a solution and, and how it wants to implement so so it would and I hope you guys make the decision to bring it in on web or IP and not over TTY because mm-hmm. I think that's just number one it ties up TTY lines ties mm-hmm. up an inbound line and it's just ungodly slow 45 baud you know it's um <laughs> You know, I, I think it's important to get that, but what you know, there's things that concern me because somebody, everybody wanted to do text to 911 
at some level to prove what could be done, we almost pushed it in too early because mm-hmm. there's no location with text. Right, and that's... That's scary. It's very scary. How are you going to know where this person is? And and I've seen some of the solutions, some of the demos where it actually does pinpoint pretty well, but they don't guarantee that you're going to get a good location. So it's sort of hit or miss. Well, it's using the existing technology today. Mm-hmm. And the existing technology is, is what it is. And, you know, there's other over-the-top stuff. The phones actually know exactly where they are pretty much. Mm-hmm. There's, they've got a lot more information than the cell carriers have. Um but even with the text to 911 solutions, there's no direct connection from the device into the center, so we can't share the information that's on that device yet. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways we're putting out a false sense of security that we're creating this environment that isn't really what it is. Well, part of the problem I've seen with the new technology that's come up, and it started with, um, you know, started with Magic Jack and the voice over IP and the Vonage and the, or you know, and any of the voice over IP providers, any of that sort of thing, it feels to me like we are stepping backwards in terms of our effectiveness. Because if you get, I, I spent a lot of time in my previous agency teaching classes on the different types of phone connections and especially the the voice over IP stuff when it wasn't as regulated and wasn't as reliable it still depends on the consumer to put their information in correctly and that that seems like that's taking a step backwards from us having Annie Alley that automatically comes to us mm-hmm. and texting is the same thing you know we we have that it's we've spent so long getting the phase 1 and phase 2 on cell phones that getting the information from a text why would you why would you go backwards in technology why would you make it less effective well yeah and and again we've made it less effective to get it done to say we got it done but did you really get it done right and i think that the public just doesn't get the information no, that no. it's going backwards that way they they want the technology because the technology's there and and they think that we ought to be able to interact with them that way which i agree with but not in the manner that is currently available i think I think there's more work that needs to be done before we can get to there. Yeah, no. Well, I appreciate you sitting down talking with us today. Grace Larson, she's a dispatch supervisor at Issaquah <laughs> Police. What does Issaquah mean? Uh, I'm not actually sure. But we have a fish in our logo, so I think it may be something to do with the salmon and, and the mountains and the water. I'm not see, actually the, see, sure. See, the right response would be bitch and peace app. <laughs> That's what you should have said. Come oh, on. Oh, I know. Issaquah, bitch and peace app. Bitch and peace app. There you go. <laughs> East of Seattle up there in the state of Washington. Thanks very much for sitting down with us, Grace. Very interesting stuff. Thanks, Mark. The preceding podcast has been brought to you by the Avaya Podcast Network. Executive producer, Jean Torjon, a.k.a. J.T., Our program and creative director is Fletch. And the APN legal correspondent is attorney Martha Beyer. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Avaya underscore APN. And visit avaya.com slash APN on the web where you can download all of our content. For the Avaya Podcast Network, this is Spider Harrison, the official voice dude of APN. The preceding content is copyrighted by the Avaya Podcast Network. Broadcast or retransmission is permitted with attribution. Your actual mileage may vary. Batteries are not included. I'm a professional announcer on a closed course. Do not try this at home.